Hello and welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Spiritual Warfare. You ever liked the song but really never paid attention to the lyrics? You know, growing up in the Atlanta area, uh, back in the 70s, I graduated high school in 1980. I mean, I was into Southern rock. So whether it was Skinner, Marshall Tucker, 38 Special, Molly Hatchet, or the Atlanta Rhythm Section. It's interesting, after coming to faith in Christ and listening to songs and words, that one right there blew my mind. I never knew the depth in the lyrics of that song and what it really was all about. Today I want to really have a heavy conversation with you. I pray that you will find freedom in Christ as we talk about overcoming sexual strongholds. And if there's anything that plagues our culture and society today, as I work with so many uh, different people groups, this area of uh, sexual abuse, sexual misuse, and just the, the stronghold uh, and the bondage that I find so many people in, specifically guys, as we uh, talk about this, it's, it's, it's prevalent in our culture today. I want to pray, and I uh, would ask you to open your hearts and your minds and uh, your soul to the Spirit of God and really ask God to minister to you. And if you came in here today and you're living uh, with the secret and you've got addiction and bondage in this area, I pray in Jesus' name that you will lay it at the foot of the cross today and that you can move toward healing and wholeness and freedom. So, Father, we love you. Jesus, thank you for paying it all. Thank you for coming to set the captive free. Thank you that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or think. Lord, for every guy and gal in this room, Lord, for those watching online, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would have total permission to infiltrate and penetrate the heart, Lord, the soul, the thoughts, the emotion, the will today, and I pray that we would press into you and that we would experience deliverance in Jesus' name. So, Father, I pray that you would guide this conversation, and I pray that I would really be obedient in the moment of whatever you place on my heart, that I would honor and glorify you in Christ's name. Amen. Damon Brown is the author of a book called Playboy's Greatest Covers. Interesting. There's a book called that. I guess you can find it at Barnes and Noble. I don't know. But Damon Brown made this observation. He said, it seems so obvious that if we invent a machine, the first thing we're going to do after making a profit is to use it to watch porn. You think about televisions, you think about computers, you think about the iPhones and the smartphones and the tablets that are out today, it is amazing how much immoral, sexual, 
perverted material saturates these areas. One out of every five mobile search online is for porn. One out of every eight online search is for porn. The porn industry generates about $13 billion a year. $13 billion. It is prevalent pretty much in every culture, and it's pretty much prevalent in every uh, age group of society. Covenant Eyes, with their stats, which is a Christian website that uh, has helped many find freedom when it comes to sexual addiction, their stats reveal that 66% of U.S. men say they watch porn at least monthly. 64% of Christian men, it almost mirrors, say they watch porn at least monthly. 15% of Christian women say they watch porn or view porn monthly. Focus on the Family has written much in this area. Their stats reveal that one out of every five pastors struggle with porn. One out of every five. Their stats reveal that 75% of all pastors are not accountable to anyone in regards to their online behavior. I've shared with you guys over the years that one of the things that really is important is walking holy with the Lord, and Barb has my permission to take my phone, and she can look at anything on it. The same thing with my tablet. These are the two things that I use for research and study, but it breaks my heart that so many guys live in isolation. Porn use will thrive in secrecy. And there's so many church members even today that feel totally trapped in sin and shame. And they're living in such a sin and shame cycle. And they think that they're the only ones facing this temptation. You're not. But it is a major, major area that must be addressed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 28, anyone... And I would circle and highlight the word anyone, he's speaking specifically to the men, but anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. The word lust means to have an unrestrained craving for, specifically in this area context, is for the sexual. Our youth today are being bombarded like never before. The United States Department of Justice said never before in the history of telecommunications media in the U.S. has so much indecent and obscene material been made so easily accessible by so many minors in so many homes with so few restrictions. Think about it. There's more crap out there today than ever before in regards to our young people being able to have access to it. Nine out of 10 boys are exposed to porn. Before the age of 18, the first exposure to porn for most young guys is the age of 12. And 71% of teens admit that they hide their online behavior from their parents. Our youth are being attacked I remember having the conversations with my boys. 
when Benji was 12 years old, before he would turn 13 during that summer, we had a baseball tournament down in LaGrange, and I said, we're going to leave early, and we're going to Noonan. And I took him to the baseball fields that when I was 12 years old, guys started showing me pornographic images and started having sexual style talks with me. I had no context. I didn't know how to process it. But I remember thinking, I'm going to take my boy back to the place of where I got ambushed and infected. And I want to start having these conversations with him. But I'm going to go back to that place and redeem that place for the glory of God because it had such a stronghold on my life for so long. And I would have that conversation with Jesse, and I would have that conversation with Caleb, and we kept the doors open. This is personal, but I'll never forget because these conversations started, we would talk about online stuff, and the first time that little dude right there had a wet dream, how does he process it? He talked to me about it. And for so many little dudes growing up, I never knew where to go with that conversation. I didn't know what to do with it. And it messed with me for years. And so I would encourage you to have these conversations and be open with your kids. Research shows us that 86% of convicted rapists use porn on a regular basis. The correlation between sexual addiction and childhood trauma is so, so strong. A survey of people with sex addiction revealed that during childhood, listen to this, 72% were physically abused. 81% were sexually abused. And 97% were emotionally abused abused. What we know, even in a pastoral role, is that trauma increases the percentage of addiction. When there's been major trauma, and there's people under my voice that have gone through sexual abuse, being raped, drugged, and different things in your past, and you know as well as I do, there's incredible pain. And for many that have gone through sexual abuse and sexual violation, they turn to alcohol and drugs and pills, etc., to try to sedate and medicate the depth of their pain. 68% of divorce cases involve one party meeting their new lover on the internet. 56% of all divorce cases involved one party, one person in that marriage having an obsessive interest in porn. Long-term exposure to porn, and I promise you this because we've dealt with it with so many marriages in so many different situations. The one thing that you will see is when a guy, specifically I'm speaking to guys here, but when a guy has long-term porn use and abuse, it brings about such an erosion of trust inside the marriage, it's almost impossible for the female to trust you again. 
Because not only are you having sex, but you're having sex in your mind and you're having sex in the fantasy world and it is one of the deepest forms of betrayal for a female. If you're involved in deep porn use, I can promise you this. It is impossible to have this stronghold and be involved in the addiction without you forfeiting family responsibilities. Your attentiveness to your kids will absolutely go down the tubes. And I've seen this with so many. They neglect their wife, they neglect their kids. It's brutal, it's addictive, and it is absolutely destructive. Research shows that pornographic images create chemically encoded messages on the brain that can remain for long periods of times, years, and even for some that battle this, even back in their teens and early 20s, it can last a lifetime if it is not brought before the Lord and dealt with in a thorough way. It can absolutely destroy you. And here's the thing that's interesting. The person who is addicted to porn is never satisfied with one level. They must continue to push the borders further and further. Their perversions become even more perverted, corrupt, and destructive because just like a druggie, just like an alcoholic, we push the borders because we've got to find something that arouses us at a deeper level. Tony Evans made this observation that I think is very powerful. He said, what makes a sexual stronghold more difficult to overcome is that it doesn't always show up in the physical world. He said, people can have a sexual stronghold and never engage in physical sex. It can manifest through an addiction to porn, fantasizing, or even achieving personal gratifications through an illegitimate means that is contrary to the will of God. Again, Jesus said, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. Here's the sobering reality of what makes this area such a tough one and, and a stronghold is so uh, difficult at times to overcome. You can think about alcohol and not get drunk. You can think about cocaine and not get high. But thinking about sex can become its own fulfillment and its own place of enjoyment. And the problem is, some people find as much satisfaction in the thought as they do the action. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest minds of his day and one of the most respected writers over the last hundred years, made this observation. I want you to listen to this. He said, for me, the real evil of masturbation would be that it takes an appetite which in its lawful use leads the individual out of himself to complete his own personality and that of another, eventually having kids and grandkids, and it turns it back on himself, and it sends the man back into the prison of himself, there to keep a harem of imaginary brides. And this harem of imaginary brides, it works against him ever getting out of himself and really uniting with a real woman. 
for the harem is always accessible, always subservient, calls for no sacrifice or adjustments to be made by the man, and can be endowed with the erotic and psychological attractions which no woman will ever be able to rival. Among these imaginary brides, he's always adored as the perfect lover. He's, he's always applauded. No demand is made on his unselfishness. No mortification is ever imposed on his vanity. And in the end, they become the means through which he increasingly adores himself. You want to think about uh, allowing an area to consume you that will drive you to narcissistic thought. Sexual addiction and sexual bondage will do that. It is destructive, and what ends up happening, even though other people get hurt, you become the prisoner of your own untamed reality. We're starving for intimacy. Every person I know deep down inside is starving for intimacy. We're desiring for intimacy with God and we really desire to have intimacy with others. There's no person I know that ultimately they believe their purpose for being on the planet is to live in self-gratification. We're here to know God, to love God, to enjoy God, and to connect with others. But for so many, they live such a life of self-gratification. It's not even your purpose for being on the planet, but the enemy has lied and has so entangled, and so many people stay stuck. John Bevere wrote this. He said, when we, tr when we drift from the truth, God's will is replaced by the influence of people and by the voices of society. We then embrace what seems good according to our own sweet evaluation, and it doesn't matter how good something looks, how happy it makes you feel, how much fun it is, how popular or even accepted it is. If it is contrary to the wisdom of God, it will be detrimental, and it will bring sorrow to your life. Does God speak? Does God have anything to say in this area? I can tell you the scripture is replete with God laying out what truth is for each and every one of us. If you come in here today and you're in chains, you've got a family member in chains, your spouse, I can tell you this, please listen to me, you are not alone. The enemy has been manufacturing his lies for years in this area, and I can promise you, you're not alone. But I got good news for you. You do not have to stay stuck. You do not have to live in a place of defeat. There is hope available in Jesus' name. I know that personally. You don't have to stay in defeat. You don't have to stay in chains. But hope and help is found only when you get this issue into the light and you quit hiding Isolation is the tool of the predator. God hates secrets, and secrets will absolutely destroy your soul. It will destroy you. So we have to get it to the light, and we have to get honest and say, God, I, I can't live in such defeat, in reckless just bondage like I've been anymore. 
God has a standard. 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9, says, Know this, know this, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, the unrighteous. The body is not for immorality. The body is for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Anybody that belongs to the body of Christ belongs to everybody else that belongs to the body of Christ. And Jesus is the head of the body. We're just members of the body. Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? God forbid, may it never be. No, don't do that. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one with her? But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Flee means to escape. I'll break down the word immorality in a second. Every other sin that a man commits is outside of the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. We will dive deeper into this and unpackage this thought process when we get to the book of James here in a few weeks. But I'm telling you, you sin against your own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. This body right here is a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is where the presence of God and the power of God desires to dwell. But when we go outside of this body and start to sin against ourselves and against God, it's going to lead you to living a life of guilt and shame, and you'll stay in bondage. The word immorality in the Greek is the word pornea. It's where we get the word pornography and porn from, pornea, and the literal translation, if you will, or definition of that word, it means to commit fornication. It's any sexual sin. So when you see it, immorality is any sexual sin, which includes not only the action, but the thought itself. Any sexual sin, anything that violates the standard of God. Immorality is sex with anyone before marriage. It's immoral. It's wicked. It's it's evil. Our culture is so cute. It's like people have told me over the years, well, I just committed adultery. It's not adultery only. It's sin. You took part of your body and went with her body. It's immoral. It's against God. That's not the way God has set up the relationship. That's not a portrait of the holiness of God. When a husband and wife come together, it is a portrait of Christ loving us. That's the manifestation. That's the portrait that God has called us to walk out, to live in. Immorality is sex with anyone but your wife. Again, it's not just an affair. It's immorality is seeking sexual arousal outside of the marriage covenant. And I've even had married couples tell me, well, we, we, we would watch a little porn for stimulation. Then what you did is you absolutely stained and defiled the marriage bed. Don't, please don't do that. Because the enemy is out to take all of us down. 
and anything he can do to, to rip us off and cause us to live in defeat, he will do that. Immorality is sexting. It's apps that are out of bounds. It's all this stuff that people can gravitate toward, websites. It's, it's immoral. Immorality is having lustful and sexual thoughts or fantasizing that you know is not keeping with the holiness of God. It's looking on any type of nakedness with pleasure. And even Job, I memorized this verse. I was challenged to memorize this verse as a brand new believer. My buddy Walter, because I opened up about my struggle in this area, and he goes, memorize Job 31.1, where Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes that I will not undress a woman. I'm like, God, I gotta make a covenant with my eyes because it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and it's the pride of life. Now, again, I promise you in Jesus' name, that you do not have to live a life of defeat. The Bible teaches that those who struggle with this area can be set free through the shed blood of Christ, through the power of the gospel. Jesus can come in and he can renovate your heart. He can make you a new creation. But I have to get it into the light. But those who say, I'm a Christian, but yet your habitual practice is continuing in this sexual sin, I would tell you, you need to check yourself to see if you're really in the faith or not because the scripture says that those who habitually practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you in the faith? Have you repented? Have you surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? Is Jesus calling the shots? 1 Corinthians 6 is where I lived. I was immoral, but I got to the place where Paul writes, and such were some of you. And I was like, this is where I was, son. He goes, such were some of you. You were living in the bondage and the wreckage of sin, but you were washed. The blood of Jesus washed you, your heart, your mind, your soul. You got washed, brother. You experienced salvation. I go, I did. He goes, you were sanctified. God took you from washing you and cleaning you and saving you, and he sanctified you. He set you apart, and he called you holy, and you started walking as if you were holy. Such were some of you, and you were justified. God looks down and says, all that stuff of the past, I'm not going to hold it against you. Tim Cash, I declare you righteous. I was like, praise the Lord. He sees me as righteous, holy, sanctified, set apart. I came to faith in Christ in October of 1985 and wanted to know the Lord and wanted to walk with the Lord and really wanted to, to live this. I'm like, Lord, I, I want my life to be holy unto you. But this one area for me right here continued to be a battle. Every man's greatest battle, it was a battle. It was the spring of 1990 and Tom Roy, who is a, 
incredible mentor in my life. I worked with Tom for years with a ministry called Unlimited Potential, and I was brand new, and I just started in ministry, but this area right here was such a stronghold, and we were driving back after going to do some ministry one night, and we were driving from Indianapolis back up to Warsaw, about a two and a half hour drive, and, and I looked at Tom, and I said, Tom, I, I mean, I go days and I go weeks, but I still, I find myself giving in, I, I find myself gravitating towards sexual sin. I, I'm not sleeping with girls and I clean that up and then this is, that, that is cleaned up, but I, I, I struggle with masturbation, Tom. I struggle with it and I don't know how to gain victory. I don't. I've tried, I don't. We're driving. And Tom says, uh, you don't struggle with masturbation. Oh, you, you, you don't know me, I do. <laughs> I promise you, I do. He goes, no, you don't. Then I said, Tom, what do I struggle with? He goes, you're struggling with your thought life because your thoughts drive your emotions that lead to the action. You're struggling with your thought life. He said, I got a question for you. I said, sure. He said, can you think about peanut butter and jelly and wanna? I'm like, no, dude, my, oh, no. <laughs> Schmuckers and Peter Pan don't do anything for me. He goes, what are you thinking about? And he goes, then let me ask you a question. With the Holy Spirit living inside of you, do you have the ability to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and destroy every argument and stronghold that's raised up against the mind of Christ? Yes. We talked, we prayed, I got back to where I was staying that night and I got on my face and I cried out and I said, Lord, I have not taken my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. This has been an area that I have permitted the flesh to be aroused in. But tonight, I sanctify myself and I sanctify my thoughts to think about whatever's pure and right and holy and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy I sanctify myself to you, and I did. And I can promise you, what has it been, 1990 until now, that God can set a brother free. A few months later, I felt like God said, now you're permitted to marry, you're permitted to enter into marriage because you're not gonna be married to other female thoughts and you're not going to be immoral you're, you're you're free now to be open to pursue marriage and I'm like well based on how screwed up I did things for so long if you don't bring me a person I don't I, I don't even trust myself and I had a friend that said hey uh, this girl Barb is a good friend of ours she's a godly girl we've told her about you well, you and tell her who I was a year ago because you didn't know who I was a year ago. But these last three months, God sanctified me. And he goes, God goes, you can pursue a relationship with her. It's like, no way. I'm okay. But can I tell you, even as a saved man, even as a married man, even as a guy in ministry, can I tell you that you have to fight against those thoughts every day? 
Culture is sending all these messages at us every day. Culture is trying to lure us every day. I'm going to go here. It's been about eight or nine weeks ago, maybe ten weeks ago. So Benji's over. He's in my office. And he looked at me. He said, I got a question for you, Dad. Have you ever been unfaithful to Mom? You traveled a lot. You were all over the nation, different parts of the world, in ministry. Were you ever unfaithful to Mom? And the brokenness and humility of the Holy Spirit said, because you yielded to me, you can look him in the eyes and tell him the truth. And you can tell him that your God has kept you clean, that you could honor that covenant. And I looked at him and I said, Benji, I can honestly tell you that God has protected me. Yeah, there's been temptation. Yeah, there's been opportunity. Yes, but Benji, God kept me clean. And I've had to run at times, and I've had to lock my door at times, and I've had to unplug TVs at times, and I've had to. God's kept me clean, and I don't regret that at all. And you don't know that 20 years ago, telling the flesh it's got to be crucified and saying yes to Jesus, that you don't know that 20 years later you're going to look your boy in his eyes and be able to tell him, you know what? I've been, I've been faithful to your mom, but I've been faithful to God. And if you've messed it up, you can get realigned today. You don't have to live in the guilt and shame of something that happened five years or 20 years ago. You don't have to carry it around anymore. God has a standard. God's made provisions. You read 1 Corinthians 6, read 1 Corinthians 7. Starting in verse 2, because of immorality, because of pornea, all that stuff I mentioned. Because of immorality, let each man have his own wife. Again, this is God's blueprint back to Genesis. Let each man, gender specific, have his own wife, gender specific, male and female. And let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife. Likewise, also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body. I heard a guy say years ago, right after I got saved, no wonder they call it the good book. I don't know about that. <laughs> but the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his body, but his wife does. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a period of time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. And come together again, lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. 
You read that text, and here would just be a few observations. I can tell you sex is God's idea. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But the primary solution for sexual immorality is sex in marriage. That's established. Sex in marriage, the two becoming one. Second observation would be marriage partners are to fulfill their sexual duties in covenant. That's, all right, honor each other. Now, let me say this. Health issues can cause some limitations. You've got to be sensitive. You've got to be wise. Again, as I said earlier, there's people in this room, and if you have not allowed God to, to bring about healing in some of these areas, it can be detrimental. But there's people in this room, for some of you young girls, you, you, you were raped and you were abused as a young girl. And so the, the whole thought of sex is dirty, it's hurt, it's painful, it's violation, it's... And if we love our wives, we're going to try to help our wives find the right counseling to work through some of the trauma that's happening in her life. The same thing with guys. Maybe God kept you pure as a female, but you married a guy and he comes out of some sexual abuse and misconduct and, and bondage. If we love him, we want him to get help so that he has a proper God-style view of this topic. The body of your spouse is to be treated and treasured. It's to be treated with honor and treasured for the glory of God. The two becoming one is a portrait of Christ loving in the church again. Steve, that's where God wants us. Treasure her, honor her, love her. The two become one. Now, again, based on background, based on where you've come out of, and, and based on maybe some physical uh, issues. The body of your spouse, okay, when it comes to the request of sex, he goes, don't deny one another. Don't deprive one another. Because he goes on to say, when you do that and you're rejecting, and I know I've counseled with so many people over the years, and guys will say, she uses sex as a form of manipulation. Stop. When you reject and neglect and push away, we do understand that we can open the door for Satan to come in and start to entangle us. When I lived in Indiana, the old dude across the street walked out one day, I'll never forget. He had on a hat, old truck stop hat, and it says, I'm married to a nun, none in the morning and none at night. I was like, how's that working for you? That's not good. One of my friends, we were going to a Bible study. This was about 20 years ago. We were driving down 316 to hit 85 to go to a place that night. And we were just talking about life. And he looked at me and he goes, bro, I am bisexual. You're bisexual. What do you mean by that? He goes, I have sex twice a year, my anniversary and my birthday. <laughs> he goes, it sucks that they happen to be in the same month. <laughs> but I remember stopping and having that conversation with him, Benji, going, all right, what's there? Let's talk about this. Because humor is oftentimes a smokescreen 
And he goes, she grew up, man, in a very conservative church. And ever since she was a little girl, all she heard growing up is sex is wrong, sex is wrong, sex is wrong. So even inside the marriage, she never got healthy teaching of covenant and relationship. You can have sex only with your spouse and it's husband with wife and wife with husband. When you go back and study the culture of Corinth, you study the culture in Ephesus, you study so much of the Roman Empire at that day, sexual standards were almost non-existent. And that's where we find ourselves globally today, that there's no standards. And the lure and the enticement to have sex outside of marriage is very strong, but I can promise you it's prevalent in every culture. It's it's a tough area right here to look at. And here's the problem. If you really do believe that the Bible teaches that sex is to be reserved within the confines of marriage between a husband and a wife that is committed to one another for a lifetime, based on culture and society today, you're viewed as being out of touch with reality, you've lost your stinking mind, and you're crazy. That's the culture in which we live. And as a culture, we're not moving toward biblical truth and God-style absolutes. If anything, watch it over the last years. We have continued to move further away from any type of moral objective standard based on the word of God. And it's so sad. 1 Thessalonians 4, it is God's will that you be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen. They don't even know God. The Lord will punish men for all such sins. God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but he's rejecting God who gives us the Holy Spirit. So when people look at you and say, you've lost your mind. You don't know what you're talking about. They're not rejecting me as a man. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting what truth says. And I don't take it personal. Because even Romans 1, starting in verse 18, says that God gave them over to a reprobate, deprived mind. Men exchanging that which God had created, men with men, women with women, and they perverted the things of God. We live in a culture of perversion. You beautiful little girl sitting there, I'm telling you, I pray for you. I pray for your generation, and I pray that you would meet godly dudes who have a godly standard. You ask them when they want to date you. Do you look at porn? Well, what kind of question is that? It's a deal breaker question. You better answer it now. Don't y'all settle for mediocrity. Don't you settle for perversion. Y'all are beautiful. Hannah Cash, we're not going to lower our standards. And you got a daddy and three brothers that will take a dude out. (laughs) Come on, Benji. Let, let, Let me hit you with a few principles here. Think about these, please. 
But if you just ponder this 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 7, whatever, but the principles here in 1 Thessalonians 4 is sanctify yourself to the will of God. Set your heart and your soul and your thoughts and your mind and your body, set it apart to the will of God, especially in this conversation in the sexual realm. Please, God, I want to live sanctified. I'm, I'm setting myself apart. I can tell you, you'll never regret this. Avoid sexual immorality completely. Dallas, our generation, brother, Chad. I mean, there were so many things thrown at us with magazines, but I can't imagine living today with that thing being in your pocket where you can access whatever. But it's like you have to sanctify and say, Lord, I want to eliminate any possible playgrounds or playmates that are going to take me down a destructive road. Verse 4 says, learn to control yourself. Seek his holiness. Self-control is part of the fruit of the Spirit and learning to control our appetites and our wants and what we think is our desires. They must be controlled. We've got to delight ourselves in the Lord. He'll give us the true desires of his heart that would become our heart and we start to walk in them. I think one of the things we've got to learn to do and just we live it out based on the overflow of the Holy Spirit, but live like you're saved. Don't live like you're lost. That's what he says there. The, the pagans and heathens, they don't know God. I'm like, man, I've got to have a plan of action. I've got, I've got to get some strong accountability around me. And these are conversations that I've had over the years. Fear the discipline of the Lord. The scripture says the Lord's going to punish it. I was talking with my buddy Jeff. Grace, your dad and I were talking at the end of the service, and he goes, I'm with you. Like the fear of the Lord and the discipline of the Lord, it, it, it concerns me and scares me. Now, whether it's right or not, but I, I'm like, if, if I were to go outside the marriage and Lord, if I were to do this, I'm, I, I think you would just strike me dead. You believe God would do that? Yes. Yes. And we live in a generation today and in a culture today. There's so much disrespect and dishonor and disregard. And the problem is it starts vertical. I fear God. Even Solomon would write right out of the gate, fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. You fear him, yes. I fear the discipline of the Lord. Now, those the Lord loves, he disciplines. I would tell you, remember, God called you to be holy. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got God in you. Giving into temptation. In this area, pretty much any area, but this one, sexual sin is going to hurt a lot of different people. It's going to hurt you as an individual. It's going to hurt your marriage. It's going to hurt your kids. It's going to hurt your coworkers. It's going to hurt the church. The collateral damage is legit. I'll close you with this. Sexual desire and sexual activity must be placed under Christ's authority. God designed and created sex for the purpose of procreation, reproduction, yes, pleasure, 
but it's to be an expression of incredible agape between a husband and a wife, and it must be reserved for the marriage covenant. Why? You're going to hurt yourself, you're going to damage your walk with God, and you're going to destroy other people in the process. Do you desire to walk in renewed hope and freedom? Maybe you've never dealt with this area of your life. I invite you to do so today. Maybe you say, you know what? I've come to faith in Christ, and and it's still in an area of bondage. Chet, stand up, brother. Richard, stand up, brother. Chet has had years of professional counseling. Richard has got his counseling degree, 6 p.m. tonight in the cafe. Chet has stud, he's had so much research and study and even has specialized in working in this area of sexual addiction. We're going to continue this conversation tonight at 6 p.m. in the cafe. There's no RSVP. It's just show up and let's get honest and get it in the light and see healing take place in your life, okay? Thank you, Chet. Thank you, Richard. But we're going to continue this conversation tonight. But if you desire to live in freedom, you're going to have to bring it to the light. I invite you to repent of it today. Lay it before the Lord. We have three by five cards, pens. There's baskets at the cross for some of you. Make the transaction, write it out, and give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm I'm giving this to you. We want to see you walk in, in the victory that Christ gives and in the freedom that only you can find in Jesus' name. You don't have to stay there. We want to see you win and flourish in your faith walk, okay? I'm going to pray. As the lights go down, I would invite you just to bow. And, and I, would in, I would invite you just to pray this prayer along with me. I, I would. I mean, especially if you've been in bondage, just I'll, I'll, I'm going to go through it kind of slow. But if, if you're like, I, I want to honor God. And this is something I had to pray years ago for me. I had to. So here's the prayer. Lord, I have misused my body. I have sinned against you. And I have sinned against me. I pray in Jesus' name that you would cleanse me for your glory. I present now to you my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. I choose to reserve the sexual use of my body only with my spouse. In Jesus' name, I renounce the lie of the devil that my body is dirty and my body is corrupt. I thank you that you have cleansed me from all sin, specifically sexual sin. Jesus, I ask you to take over my body from head to toe, Lord, every cell, tissue, ligament, tendon, fiber inside my body, 
I pray that you would take over my body. I pray you would take over my mind that I would give you freedom to reign and rule over fleshly appetites, over any sexual desire. Would it be aligned to the standard of God? I choose to believe in Jesus' name that I am clean, I am forgiven, I am loved, I am redeemed. And I know that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in me. Lord, I received this from you. I'm not my own. I was bought at a price. I honor you with my body. I lay my body out before you as a living sacrifice, and I honor you with my body. Lord, I declare that I have been raised up with Christ. Would you help me set my heart on things above, not on the things here on this earth? Lord, you're at the right hand of the Father. You make intercession. Lord, help me to set my heart and mind on the things of God. Lord, I pray that you would take my passions and redirect them to you and you only. I surrender completely, and I pray in Jesus' name that you would create inside of me a clean heart, that you would renew a steadfast spirit within me. Thank you for not casting me away. Thank you for your redemptive work. I yield to you as my King, my Savior, my Lord, my authority. I desperately need you. In Christ's name, amen.